Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. If you just clicked the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Oh, need a minute to get something to write with? But don't worry, I'll give the number again right after the commentary. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. I Will Follow is an amazing story wherein the events that take place are in no way overshadowed by the many life lessons learned through 
the interaction of the characters in this one hour and 28 minute film. What I appreciate most about this film is there is absolutely nothing gratuitous or pretentious in its presentation, and yet the film is marvelously captivating, considering how difficult and uncomfortable one would expect a film of this nature to be given its subject matter. This is no tearjerker. It is a heartwarming film that has such a perfect mix of reality that it is so easy to fall in and forget that you're watching a movie at all. The film explores hidden truths that I've not yet seen portrayed before in film. A very enlightening, true-to-life tale that shows the very real side of human nature from so many different angles, from the perspective of a number of connected lives, impacted by the death of someone that they all cared about and coped with and dealt with their loss in their own special way, based on their relationship, loyalty, admiration, fear, unresolved issues, and selfish needs and desires. This film gave a great deal of insight into the life of someone who is terminally ill and the decisions, needs, and desires that become the primary focus of someone who now takes solace in letting life slip away under their own terms. Join us as I welcome the director of I Will Follow, Ava DuVernay, to A Measure of Truth. Welcome, Ava. Hi there. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much for welcoming me. It was a lovely introduction. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And, um, you know, uh, it's great that I had an opportunity to see this film just the other day, just on Saturday. And um, I, I can't even begin to tell you that um, introduction only speaks half of um, how I felt. And I, I saw the film as well with my wife, who is a survivor as well. So, um, you know, we, we walked in the theater with a little apprehension, but we were very, very impressed with how well done this this piece was. Oh, I'm so pleased. Thank you. Now, tell us, Ava, where, where did this story come from? Because, you know, you, you walk away and you say to yourself, this has to be a real story. Yeah, absolutely. It's a personal story uh, based on the true experiences of uh, my family uh, when we lost one of our own and kind of the things that we went through in processing that and moving mm. on. And so it's, a, yeah, definitely a personal meditation. Wow. Wow. And how long did it take you to do this film? Um, I started writing it on July 4th and rewrapped on, uh, I think it was November 31st. So, um, the same year? Not long. Yes, the sir. same year. Wow. Same year. Wow. Yep. So this is so something that really done. just poured out of you. Yeah, yeah. Once I made the decision to do it, um, definitely the universe uh, kind of parted like the Red Sea and uh, it all came together. So, yeah, it was a, a definite... Um, blessing in the, the time frame. Usually as filmmakers, there's a lot of hurry up and wait. And uh, for this project, it was definitely you know, a go from the moment we greenlit it. We greenlit ourselves. And that might have had something to do with uh, with the pace. You know, we weren't waiting on anyone. We weren't asking for permission to make it. We just made it, and, um, and there it is. Wow. Now, you, you must um, you must have been in the business for quite some time now, and um, tell us a little bit about your background because um, I'm sure there are, um, there's a long history behind what brought you to the point where you could create a film so so amazing and rich and deep and um, just 
real life drama? Um, well, I never went to film school. Um, so, but I, you know, I read a lot. I watch a lot of, of film masters and I worked for a film publicist for many years. So I had the pleasure of being on a, a set of a lot of films, over hundreds of films and TV shows over the years. And so I was able to, you know, observe filmmakers, directors, kind of doing their thing right in front of me, which mm. proved to be probably a better film school than, um, and one that you could pay for. No, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, those, you know, those all together, just um, being kind of very in tune with what I want to do as a storyteller and uh, having the opportunity to watch a lot of filmmakers at work uh, kind of came together and allowed me to do my own thing. <laughs> so is this your first film? No, this is my, this is my first narrative film. Narrative mm-hmm. film meaning a film with, with actors, uh, scripted. Um, previously, I'd made documentaries. So I made I three, document- uh, three documentaries for this film, and uh, and this is my first narrative. Wow. Wow. It, it, it is really an amazing work because, you know, w- what, I, what I was captivated by is the relationships, and there were so many different levels to each um, interaction between these characters who all interacted with Sally Richardson. And um, there were there were a lot of things that you discovered too. Um, each person was a real person. There was no one person who um, was all bad or all good. You just had to sit for a minute and understand their point of view from this situation that they were all experiencing. How were you able to to gather this cast? I mean, of these are top notch actors. Yeah, yeah, they're top notch. Actors, I think really now in the independent space, you know, for for general market film, for niche film, for any kind of film, there's such a dearth of multi-layered, multi-dimensional characterizations going around mm-hmm. that if you're able to write something that really appeals to the heart and have characters that are full-bodied, you find that really wonderful actors are attracted to that. I mean, that's, right. you know, you see a lot of our, you know, the biggest names in Hollywood doing independent films for no money. I think mm-hmm. at some point, kind of Transformers 9 becomes not as interesting for actors. They want to actually <laughs> sink their teeth into to a role and kind of, you know, create a full-bodied character. So that's my philosophy, and I'm not afraid to ask anyone to join me on the journey. And so I went after the people I was interested in. Some people came to the script, to the to the project through auditions. Um, and others, you know, were were handpicked prior, just based on previous work, and uh, and yeah, you know, it just it comes together if your heart's in the right place. Right, right, and um, and, and it's a testament too to the the um, the screenplay itself because um, I, I looked at it that way. It's a kind of piece that if someone read it, they would say to themselves, uh, "Yeah, this is going to be amazing. I, I have to take part in this." If I'm given the opportunity, and um, the each person played their part so well, um, and so often I forgot that I was watching a film. It was almost as if you just sat in on a situation and was almost waiting your turn to say your your piece as well. And um, huh. I, I, I was just really because you know one of the things that I liked the most about it, right? Um, especially let, let's talk about a couple of the scenes, and one of my favorites is with. Um, Alana, actually on the roof of the um, 
of the house as he speaks to um, Sally, and they they become friends and they bond at that moment. But um, one of the other um, really good points of the film is the um, the interaction between um, Dijon and Sally Richardson as well when they started talking about you know just sports and the general stuff you know so it you know it, it shows some very it showed a lot of flexibility in the film that you were going to cover every aspect of everyday life and put it out there and let people experience this this whole situation as it really was and every intricate detail. Yeah, I mean, we definitely tried to do that. We just tried to create real lives on screen and, and present them as they are without necessarily being comedic or violent or heightened in any way. I think that's those are the trademarks of a lot of the films right. that are being presented to us by the studios of any color. Um, it's always a heightened situation. And so I really enjoy the films, the, the indies, the mumblecore films, the foreign films that just mm-hmm. invite you to go along on a day in the life of a character. And so that's what mm-hmm. we were trying to create here. Um, I mean, you you speak about Polana Tiller, um, you know, that, that character specifically, um, you know, really represents uh, the turning point in the film, in my mind, when the, the main character, Sally Richardson, starts to think outside of herself for a moment and decide mm-hmm. what she wants to do with her life uh, separate and apart from assisting others, mm-hmm. and so uh, so yeah, I mean it, it it it's just allowing a film to have room to breathe, so that folks can kind of make some connections of their own, whatever they may be. Um, and I think you know a lot of times the you know films are just go 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 fast cutting, and mm-hmm. so I enjoy the films that let you kind of you know think on your own. Um, so yeah, that's that's what we try to do, and when you have amazing actors. Like Polana, who's on the phone, um, who can uh, who can kind of, who can bring a bring a depth to that? Uh, it's 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 it becomes you know something really special. Yeah, and Polana, welcome to a measure of Thank truth. Thank you. Thank you very much, Michael. It's um it's so humbling, Ava, to to be on the phone with you and and to hear you um speak of my work that way because it was for me um, just such an incredible pleasure to, to be a part of that and I mean I still feel so lucky to have been um, able to participate and continue to participate in supporting the film and just sort of living living with the film you know post um, post being on set it's it's just really uh, just an incredible experience that I, I would wish you know for any actors I, I just feel very lucky and Polana, tell us a little bit about how long you've been acting and um you know you you are in the the DC metropolitan area and um tell us about how long you've been acting and then let us know how you found out about this particular film. Sure. I, I actually I grew up in the DC area, Michael, but I, I live between LA and New York now. Um mostly in LA. And I um started doing theater in college at university and I just really kind of fell in love with the experience of um of of you know embodying characters and and getting to be a storyteller through your voice and your likeness and your body um you know getting to kind of bring bring stories to life i just i knew for instantly that i had to i had to make a way to you know make this part of my life on whatever scale mm-hmm. um so i started i started doing theater there and um was just very hungry and um, curious to keep learning about 
film as well as television and commercials and theater. So I, I moved to New York um, where I, you know, continue to, to just learn and do anything and everything I can get my hands on. And um, I, I worked as a VJ for a while. I, you know, have a had a little sitcom in South Africa for a while. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> I've a really, like, you know, broad range of experiences. And um, and uh, so I, I I feel really lucky to get to be um, in in films like I Will Follow because, it, because, because they're so sort of smaller, they're small and quiet, and you don't necessarily um, get to hear about them all the time. And I, I, I found out about the project, um, thankfully, uh, through um, Aisha Coley, the casting director, is, is an incredible casting director who Ava was working with on this project. And, and um, I, I gather that uh, Ava's friend, Gina Prince-Bythewood, who's also a, a really incredible filmmaker, had seen me in another project. And when uh, Ava and Aisha were looking for someone for Christine, my character, um, um, my understanding is that Gina said, you know, I, I've seen this woman in another project. You should check her out. And thankfully they called me up and I, you know, went in and, and I got the part. Yeah. And um, and it's amazing because um, this this subject matter is, is very close to home for you, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. I, I have my own uh, cancer story, my own cancer history. Thankfully, I'm you know I'm healthy and well and moving forward past that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but I yeah I I you know I I certainly related to um, the story as a whole, kind of having had to be a, a patient and see what what other people around me had to experience throughout you know their their uh, having to be caregivers or just kind of deal with the a question of mortality, whether I actually had to face it or not. Um, and then and then and then also. From you know the the perspective of Christine having been someone who uh, lived with the disease and then and then beyond it and past it and is now um, doing what she wants to do with her life and you know I I just really uh, that resonated with, with me and I wanted to to you know kind of be a part of that um, that story that message. Uh, mm. mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, at the time you you were. Um, in the film, you you say that you're a nine year survivor, but it's actually been how long? Uh, it's it's actually only been four and a half for me. Uh, for Christine, mm-hmm. it was nine years. Right. <laughs> that part right. was written. That part that part was written well before I came to the project. And, and yeah, so, absolutely. You know, that's as Ava's text, and she um, <laughs> she didn't know about my my personal history when she went you know when she wrote that part. So I, I it really was just kismet and um, incredible kind of universal magic at work that that I ended up being the actor selected for that role. Um mm-hmm. you know, that I have my own story with that. But no, I, it it was unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Ava, I just have to say if I can say that um, you know, uh, it's being understated, but uh, you know, Palana's kind of fortitude and focus and commitment to her craft really goes above and beyond what you would expect from most actors. I mean, she is a survivor who I saw, I I needed a woman who had close crop hair and -hmm. who was an incredible actor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because I wanted, you know, part of the dialogue is that this woman is a survivor who opted to keep her hair short. So, and I'm looking for actors with short hair. That's it. I'm not looking for anything else except the best actors with short hair. And I get a headshot of her, and she's beautiful, and we call her in, and she does audition, and she's fantastic. And not knowing 
anything other than when she walked in the door, she did not have short hair. And so oh, really? I'm like, well, well, what is going on? Because you gave a headshot with short hair, dude. And she, um, you know, tell you know, the, the, her her hair was short in headshots that she, you know, bravely and boldly took while she was in treatment, and you know that her hair had grown out. And so at that point, when the part is off to her, she has the decision as to whether or not she's going to cut her hair that's just grown back. Mm. From her own own treatment Mm -hmm. And her commitment to her craft And her, you know, her interest in the part To being part of the story She cuts her hair off And for any black black woman Our hair is Don't even, (laughs) you you already know And on top of that Having lost it and then regained it And then kind of Then cutting it again I mean, it was uh, really remarkable, and it, you know, imbued the character, the character with all kinds of strength and beauty that, you know, was never written. So I'm eternally grateful to her, and, uh, and I think it all comes across in the film. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I just have to put it out there. Um, Polana, you look amazing with no hair. I saw a, a photo on the IMDb site, and that was just, it was so beautiful. I told my wife, you have to see this picture. Yeah, it is just really amazing, really. Thank you, um, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. And, I mean, I, I, I've, I've had, I've had um, a lot of conversations about um, choosing to cut my hair for the role, and it's really, I mean, like Ava said, black women, our hair is a, a huge part of our, our experience, oftentimes, and and sometimes even our identity. But I, um, I, I saw this as an opportunity to um, kind of be empowered and and to take ownership of, you know, having hair or not having hair. And it's particularly because when you are in treatment, you, you, you lose your hair involuntarily, right? right? It wasn't something it wasn't something I could do anything about. Um, so in this instance, it was really just important that that the character has to have that hair. And and since that's my commitment and that's my passion, that's all that mattered, you know? I didn't, mm-hmm. it, 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 it wasn't, aesthetic at all. It was just really about the truth of who that person is. Um, now, the, the, yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, one of the um, the key points, I think, with your role is um, when you guys are, you're standing in front of the television, and just as you're about to take the cable box, and she's going through a moment where she realizes that there was something she overlooked, and there was an opportunity there to maybe know a little bit more about her aunt or maybe spend more time. And you guys sort of just had an interaction in silence and it was, um, it was, it was kind of a moment. It was, it was really something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it was, a re- in- it was a real pleasure to work with Sally too. I mean, she's just, she's such a pro. And so, I mean, to so together and so focused, I was, um, I was really, really lucky that, that, you know, my work is, is just with her one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, and that was something interesting too, Ava. I want to ask you about because um, a lot of the film is built around. I mean, there are um, situations when there are more than one or two characters in the room at a time, but but most of these um, dialogues are just between two characters. And, and why was that important for you to do it that way? Um, I don't know if it was on purpose. It was just more where the story led. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, there are a few scenes with more than one person, but most of them are are just a couple people, 
engaging mm-hmm. with each other and learning about each other, and that's just how the story unfolded. Um, right. But no, I mean, I can't say that I purposely constructed it that way. Wow. Well, let me just tell you the impact it had on me, because it allowed me to see the the different perspectives and points of view of each character that way. You really saw it clearly when it's just two people, because then right. you can see them. And you can see, for instance, Sally be a different person with each of the people she interacted with, um, just like the neighbor and un- discovering him and understanding. And um, I don't I don't know how to talk about this film because I don't want to give too much away, but the way it ended, you know, it just made me just say, wow, I was I was very happy because, you know, when when you have a film like that, you never know where it's going when things are, um, they don't have the, the, the typical Hollywood script. You, you don't right. know when this film is coming to an end. And when it right. did, right. it was it was something that was resolved. That's how it ended. With the, the also the hint that, um, that um, Sally took from Palana as well, which pointed her in the right direction and started her on her <laughs> new career and got her engaged again. But this guy coming back as well, where he had to sort of um, walk out on her and come back again and sort of make restitution. It it was just brilliant. I mean, I wanted to applaud, but, you know, nobody else <laughs> clapped. So I didn't want to go ahead yeah, and stand Yeah, you got stuff back so you wouldn't be the, the odd man out. No, I, I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're being kind of cryptic about it. I don't, I don't think, I mean, I think it's fine to share. I mean, I think ultimately the end of the film and, you know, is is, might be a little unusual for what uh, what you know Hollywood scripts would offer us, but you know for folks that like independent film, I mean it's really you just kind of go until the story is done, and and that doesn't always mean some big climactic ending, you know. Uh, and you know every day doesn't end with you know a a bang. Some days just mm-hmm. just end. And so, uh, so, yeah, this is a day in the life of a woman. She interacts with a number of characters. I like what you said about her appearing different with each person and yet, you know, and yet the same. I mean, when we interact with different people, we become different people. And so that's exactly. just, you know, you choose who you're going to be by who and how you deal with folks. And mm-hmm. uh, and so I think that's, you know, that's definitely one of the lessons that the character has in the film. And she makes choices about who she wants to be around and who she doesn't want to be around. Mm-hmm. The whole film is about choices that the that the uh, character played by Beverly Todd made choices about who she wanted to be around and who she didn't want to be around. And um, and so yeah, I mean, some of those questions definitely come up and they you know unfold on the course of this day and invite you to think about who you want to be around. <laughs> you don't exactly, want to be. exactly. Um, and let me just tell you this because it's funny. Um, you know, when the film, you know, sort of got in gear, everyone was pretty much captivated and the theater was quiet. Um, it was unsettled for a while because some folks had come in late, but um, everyone was really, really just glued to the screen. And then Omari Hardwick came on the screen and <laughs> everything changed. I mean, right. I, I heard women giggling. I heard, you know, right. all of murmuring and there was people shuffling right. things around. I'm like, what's going on? I turned around to look and I I just couldn't believe it because these are grown women acting like teenagers. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I just didn't yeah. know. 
that's making that's making Solana and I laugh and smile. Um, but no, that that certainly was my experience. I mean, I took this film around the country for three months, and we screened it for all kinds of audiences: old, young, black, white. I mean, we screened it in North Carolina, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, at the River Run Film Festival a couple of weeks ago. Uh, predominantly retired white audiences, they started shuffling around when the photo comes up. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, you know, it's the power of the black man. That's all I can tell you. There you, you go. Know, wow. Wow. But, um, but, yeah, no, I mean, he was the, the character was purposely constructed to kind of be this shining light in a day that had ups and downs. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's introduced, you know, I always love, the way that Billy Dee Williams is introduced in Lady Sings the Blues. You just mm. see her, then you see the arm, then you see the money, then it goes up, and it's like, do you want my arm to fall off? Oh, snap. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's Billy. So uh, so the, it was constructed similarly where she's in the house, and she mm-hmm. gets the call, and it's back and forth, and wait, is he outside, and then outside, and then out of the shadows, and, you know, it was definitely set up to be that moment mm-hmm. um, and it, it works every time so yeah yeah and you know what else too and here was yeah. another opportunity for this to to go overboard and um, take advantage of the moment so to speak was the interaction of course between um, May and um, Omari's character because you know you could have built in what everybody expected or wanted but you kept it so sweet, and it was just such a, a great interaction. I mean, it, it's very memorable. I mean, that that was just um, – it was artistry in itself. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, we've, we've, I've received a lot – I think most out of everything, and there's been a lot of things that people love in the film, but at every single screening, people comment on that relationship and the mm. fact that it is, you know, somewhat unrequited. Um, that it is, you know, usually when black men are involved in any situation that's intimate, it has to kind of culminate in some kind of, you know, some kind of uh, of, uh, of sex, aggressive something. Right, um, right. And, and so, and yeah, and that's not always the case. I mean, really, it, it, it's not groundbreaking. It's just simply being real. Absolutely. And every time we get together, every time we get together, we're not tearing each other's clothes off. So... That's simply what we try to do is just be real in every moment. And in writing that, you know, how does that really go when you have those emotions? What do people really do? And mm-hmm. that that was the question, question I was always asking myself. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you had a hint of why this guy might have been reserved. You, you you said to yourself, well, maybe she broke his heart and he doesn't trust her now. But then when you finally figure it all out and it all comes together, it makes perfect sense. And it made everything even more real. So, yeah, yeah, that was that was just awesome. Yeah, lots of good stuff in this film. And I could go over, you know, I, I'm, I'm telling you now, I will see this film over and over again. I'm already trying to figure out if they're, We'll show it on festival films on the cable um, network that I have. And, um, uh, you know, is that a possibility? How do these things work? Tell us a little bit about um, what it takes to to be a, an independent filmmaker and um, shop your, fil- your film around and to get it um, in distribution. Well, you know, I mean, this film was really, you know, lifted up on the on the shoulders of uh, the African-American community. 
mm-hmm. you know, it, it was able to kind of elevate to a certain place because of the passion and elbow grease of a lot of people. We distributed it through a new uh, collective of African-American film festivals around the country who mm-hmm. banded together and said, we don't need Paramount, we don't need Sony, we don't need Lionsgate, we just need ourselves, and we can put this into theaters on our own. And so we worked closely with uh, all the film festivals around the country and ultimately opened the film in over 20 markets. It's on its seventh week now. Washington, D.C. is our final market. Uh, We closed there on Thursday. We've been there for two weeks. And it's really just about giving people in big cities the opportunity to see the film on the big screen. Uh, And it was a lot of work, and it was a landmark effort, and our cast was instrumental in our ability to attract people to the film Every single person in this film worked. Every single person worked publicity for this film, from Polana to Blair to poor Sally, who just, I worked her like a dog. Mm. Uh, to, to Omari, Demone, every, every single cast member, Dijon, worked. And, um, and so that's really what you need. I mean, a family of people, a family of artists who are coming together to say, we believe in this and we're going to do what it takes to get it done. I mean, Polana went out to Washington, D.C. to anchor our screenings there uh, on opening weekend. I've done a lot of uh, Internet radio for us, and uh, so it really kind of takes that level of commitment from from everyone involved. But, yeah, we opened theatrically. We had a beautiful seven-week run. Next up will be DVD, uh, which will be in the summertime, so folks can own the film and watch it as many times as they want. Awesome. I'll have one. (laughs) And um, and then you know uh, um, then it'll be on on television uh, next year early next year, so it you know we're 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 fortunate that the film will have a full life. So many black independent films struggle to find exposure, and um, you know through a lot of hard work and collective effort, we were able to make sure that this film was seen. No, oh, that's awesome. And, um, the good thing about all that is I think a lot of people are still hearing about it who weren't able to see it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's going to, there's already sort of a demand for the, um, you know, having it on DVD or having it on, on TV next year. And I mean, I think that's just uh, a testament again to, to Ava's, the distribution model of uh, a firm and really kind of allowing people to, um, to support it from a grassroots level and really right. feel ownership around the success of the film. Um, and um, tell us a little bit about the website. Will people be able to pick that DVD up from the website directly, or how will that be done? Absolutely. I mean, the film will be distributed. You'll be able to buy it at Walmart and Target, and it's like a regular movie. Okay, um, great. But you can also, you can also patronize, uh, you know, the film and kind of support the filmmakers a little bit. Uh, we get a little bit more if you buy it from our site directly. So more information will be on that will be out Good. soon. Um, but, yeah, it'll be late summer, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. We actually just delivered all of our DVD elements to the DVD company and um, are excited about the fact that folks will be able to buy and own the film. You know, I, I I think it's cool that, you know, this film can sit on your shelf next to Love Jones and Love and Basketball and Claudine <laughs> and all those. Right. And, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, this film will have a place in people's hearts Um you know, in the way that some of our, our very best films do. That's what we hope. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I I predict it will be one of those classics that um, people will just go to every now and then because of um, it It has, um, it has a, a whole nother, it's almost um, therapeutic in a way for 
those of us who've experienced a loss of any type. And um, even though the cast is African-American, to me, this is a film for anybody. It really is. Um, there's nothing about the message here that sort of um, precludes this film to any genre, so to speak. It's just a great film. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, Roger Ebert gave us a really lovely review a couple of weeks before we opened. And mm-hmm. he wrote the whole review. He said that it was one of the best films he's seen about the loss of a loved one. He talked mm-hmm. about the performances. He talked about what it meant to him and that he had, you know, experienced almost every emotion that's illustrated in the film. And then at mm-hmm. the very last the very last paragraph, he said, and everyone happens to be black. Mm-hmm. And he had not had not mentioned race at all. He even mm-hmm. said in his review, he says in his review that he um, was not going to say that everyone was black, but he thought that he should because this kind of film so seldom comes along that gives uh, African American actors the chance to be multidimensional and to you know show all of their humanity. So it was a really beautiful uh, review, and I think it speaks to what a lot of people have been saying of all colors that you know loss and grief is colorless. And we'll all go through it or have gone through it. And um, and so, yeah, we try to really definitely stay, stay true to just these are African-American people. But certainly, I mean, I go through a whole day and never think about the fact that I'm black. I'm just living. You know what I mean? And right, I see, right. you know, I, I see my life through the lens of a black woman. But most days I just go to work, go to the store and come home. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and and so, you know, I'm not, you know, my perspective is not imbued by any color or gender or anything. It's just me living my day. And that's, that's what this is. This woman is going through her life. She's dealing with her family. She's dealing with her loss. And it's not through the lens of race. It's just through the lens of her herself. So. Right. And, um, you know, you guys need to get out there and see this film if you're in Washington, D.C., in the DMV area. Um, get out there and see it for yourself before someone has to tell you about it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you should be the yeah, one telling like, like other people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like we're doing, telling everything. But, yeah. no, people have people have three more days to see it. And, you know, we, we found that, you know, it's, 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 uh, we actually do pretty good business during the weekdays after mm-hmm. work. You know, going by it's at the West End Cinema. NDC, which is a beautiful little independent space, mm-hmm. and, uh, and very comfortable and centrally located, and, and hopefully people can get down and support us before before we go. This is the last; these are the last days that the film will play in theaters, and this is a historic theatrical run that has never been done before. A, a film has never opened simultaneously around the country in multiple markets, all through grassroots means. No billboards, no TV advertising. No fancy money. It was all done by people calling each other, texting each other, Facebook, Twittering, uh, and you know, and and press outlets like this giving us the opportunity to talk about it. So uh, hopefully you can get in on the word of mouth. Say that you were there. You got three days. <laughs> and show some love to a hometown girl. You know, I got my, my DJ yeah. folks got to show up for me. <laughs> yes, yeah, support, support Alana Filler, hometown, and also Tracy Toms, who's a graduate of Howard. That's right, uh, that's right. Who's, who's in the film as well. So you got we got some local connections. All right. And um, uh, uh, you started the African American Film Festival releasing movement, correct? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes, we started in the film, with the, the organization, which we call a firm for short, mm-hmm. will release two two films per year, so I Will Follow was kind of like the guinea pig. I mean, I didn't want to have 
filmmakers going through this model if I wasn't willing to put my own film through the model. And so really we proved the model with I Will Follow that we can do this. And so the next film will be in the fall, and uh, and hopefully we can continue to release two films a year, uh, films that otherwise wouldn't see a theatrical release but deserve to be seen. Absolutely. And, and that's what it's all about, you know. In today's... Um you know, new age of information technology. There's so many resources available to someone who just wants to get it done that we just need to reach out and t- not take no for an answer, you know. And whatever it is you need to do, want to do, and feel in your heart that you, is your passion, you need to find a way to, to get it done. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's true for whether you're, whatever you're doing. But certainly for filmmakers, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this is not 1974 where you had to have, have a 35 millimeter camera, have 35 millimeter film. You know, I mean, those things are expensive. Uh, and there was a barrier to entry for filmmakers. Everyone couldn't make it. Even if you had a great story and you had ability, you had to have money to make a film even even 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't really have to have a lot of money. You can borrow a camera, enough people have it, or you can buy something small, or you can rent it for cheap. And you can tell that story. And so, you know, it's really about encouraging each other to tell our best stories, not necessarily positive, just the best stories, you know, the, the best the best that we can do um, and, and just tell the truth. And and the great thing now as well is that um, the, the Screen Actors Guild has, has created the ultra-low-budget category that allows um, union actors to work on, on small films like this, which for, you know, for a long time we couldn't. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great a great point. So, so yeah, between technology, between access to talent, between you know there there are enough folks with with great stories and uh, and great ideas. So you know we just encourage people to go out and just you know make their film or paint that picture or write that song or write that book or whatever your creative outlet is. I mean, we just need to do more of that and stop kind of waiting for permission. Uh, absolutely. To, to to you know tell our story. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's my whole point too, waiting for permission, having to knock on that door, having to wait for someone to qualify you and your talent. That that's crazy. And um in this new day and age, I think that door is disappearing more and more. Yeah, yeah. And and it, and, it, and it's a good thing. Um you know, it's the door is open. Now it's just about reminding people that they can walk through it and encouraging people to do so. I mean, if you've been in a, in a locked room forever, when the doors open, you, you may not walk through it. And so <laughs> just letting people, letting people know the door is open and encouraging people to, you know, get out there. But um, but I'm so happy that you had me on. I'm sorry I'll have to, to jump off soon, but I really appreciate sure. you helping us promote the film, in, you know, in the DMV area. Uh, we came there only by popular demand. We were not planning to go to D.C., and wow. it was because of the demand on Facebook and Twitter and texts and emails and calls to my office that we said we've got to get in that market. So we hope people really <laughs> kind of show and prove and come out and, uh, and support us in our last few days. All right. Uh, thank you, Ava. We're going to let you go. We really appreciate you taking time out today. And Polana as well, uh, it was a pleasure meeting you both. And um, we look forward to seeing and hearing great things from you guys in the near future. We'll definitely keep an eye on um, whatever you have put your hand on um, because um, this this was a very impressive work. 
and um, uh, I just can't even tell you how much I've enjoyed it. My wife and I, um, we've been talking about it the whole weekend, really. But um, thank you again for joining us, and we will hopefully talk with you soon. It was a pleasure, thank Michael. You thank so you so much for having us on the show. You're thank welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you for supporting us. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. If I may paraphrase Stephen King, the most important things are the hardest things to say. These are the things you feel ashamed of because mere words only diminish the thought. You see, words shrink things that seem limitless when they were in our hearts and minds to no more than just living size when brought out into the open. Oh, but it's more than that, isn't it? You see, the most important things lie too close to wherever your secret heart is buried. Like landmarks to a treasurer, your enemies would love to steal away and use against you at the worst possible moment. But still, you make revelations that cost you dearly, only to have people look at you like you're crazy, not understanding what you've said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried when you were saying it. Do you know what's even worse than that? Is when the secret stays locked within and you can't get it out. Not for want of the courage to talk about it, but for want of someone who will just listen. Just listen. As someone who spends a great deal of time searching for the truth, the lesson that I've learned from this quote is, if you want the truth, you have to be prepared to release all judgment and be open enough to hear and accept the truth in whatever form it might take. Judgment alters the truth by changing how it's told or presented. Not accepting the truth stops the bearer from sharing the truth. Ignoring the truth kills ambition and is a recipe for disaster and makes success impossible. We all over the years have learned to guard ourselves against deception, but I've also come to realize that in most cases, you don't even have to discover or discern the truth. You just have to let it be and see it for what it is. Maybe you have a story too. It doesn't have to be just like the one we've heard. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm here. And I'm willing to listen. All I ask from you is a measure of truth. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I want to take a moment to talk to you about a heinous crime against humanity that plagues our nation. And yes, believe it or not, communities just like yours. Here's something you can do today to lend your support in the fight against human trafficking also known as modern slavery. For example, Tanya was only 11 when she was forced to use her body for her own survival and the perverse desires of others. Now 18, Tanya knows no other life. She can't even remember when she was able to choose how she wanted to dress. Tanya dreams of being a teacher one day, and with the help of Bridge to Freedom programs and your support, they can empower her and others like her to move from surviving to thriving. 
You can make a huge difference in the life of a survivor this year through your support and donations to Bridge to Freedom Foundation. Bridge to Freedom is a nonprofit organization that provides aid to survivors of slavery who now live in the U.S., such as former child soldiers and victims of sex trafficking and forced labor. The cornerstone of Bridge to Freedom's work is personal and professional development to help survivors adapt and thrive in their new lives and communities and find work to support themselves. The Bridge to Freedom Foundation needs your support to help people just like Tanya. They need your urgent action to ensure that they can continue to provide clothing and health and beauty services to these survivors. These are not only important for rebuilding self-esteem, but are crucial to finding employment. They're also in great need of storage containers and clothing racks to organize and store donations. While donations of needed items are vital, one sure thing that will help to stop the spread of this injustice and prevent it from thriving undetected is educating yourselves about human trafficking or slavery and knowing the signs and the proper authorities to contact if you become aware of a victim in crisis. Find out more at bridgetofreedomfoundation.org or if you have a reason to suspect that someone may be a victim of human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline on 1-888-373-7888. Multilingual call specialists are on standby 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. All calls are confidential. Take a second. 
all of y'all locked down behind bars To all of those that left the earth to live in the stars I keep you on my mind, I wish I could rewind I wish I could have been the one to take your place Always guaranteed to put a smile on my face Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about Young Lives DC 34. Young Lives is a unique, cutting-edge, nonprofit Christian organization designed to empower and equip pregnant and parenting teen moms to become productive citizens in the community. A program that partners teens and mature Christian women to provide teen girls in crisis with timely encouragement, guidance, and ongoing support. Through the power of presence, kids and teens' lives are dramatically impacted when caring adults come alongside them, sharing God's love. Because someone believes in them, they begin to see that their lives have great worth, meaning, and purpose. This is just the first step in a lifelong journey. The choices they make today, based on God's love for them, will impact their future decisions the careers they choose, the marriages they form, and the families they raise. And all of this can be traced back to the time when a young life leader reached out and entered their world. For more information or to get involved, check out their webpage at www.younglives.younglife.org. Or if you're in the D.C. metropolitan area, call 202-399-7017. Welcome back, Truth Seekers. We've come to the close of another great show. And I'd like to just thank again Ava DuVernay and 
Palana Tiller um, for just dropping by and also um, for Mondo Webb for helping us out to um, disconnecting the two. So appreciate that. And also special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardiman. And I'm Michael Fordham, and you have been listening to A Measure of Truth. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you. On today's show, Lamar Tyler. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Hey, what it is, y'all? It's new job. Once again, bring you that new fire from the town. The Listen, I'ma take you where you never seen. I got money that can stretch like a limousine. I'm making green. He'll claim you like he Billy Jean. So I'ma claim you. I'ma Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to...
Today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 